Amen. Amen. Good morning. So, uh, continuing the Colossians study uh, rooted in Christ, journey through Colossians. Um, this week's discussion is Christ, the head of the church. So, little overview so you can get a roadmap of where we're heading. Very similar to last week, if you were here, as far as structure, uh, we're not going to be watching any cool videos or getting on the internet, so uh, just just a plain old PowerPoint, but um, review the discussion. We're going to do the Bible study method in the middle, which is a little different, so keep you on your toes, and then a couple discussion questions. So, and the Bible study method is not context. I just saw that, so it's not. And actually, I'm glad I left that there because I wanted to trick you guys into what the Bible study method was. So, cliffhanger for you there. You have about 30 minutes till you get to see that. Okay, so overview, though, uh, review. So, um, every week we want to review. We want to get this stuff in our heads. We want to... Um, uh, we want it to be uh, understood and that we want to keep it with us so that we can remember what Colossians is about, uh, remember these Bible study methods. So um, very similar to last week, on purpose, when I was in high school, I played football and um, the, I was a lineman and uh, the line coach, he was this uh, guy, he'd been doing it forever and he had won state championships as a head coach. Uh, his son was actually our head coach, so it's kind of fun. But I just remember every time we would get up and we would do the same thing, we would run the same play, and, and just yelling, you know, just that old school yelling and spitting. I remember the spit being on his face as he's yelling. He's saying, repetition, repetition, repetition. It's all about repetition. And that stuck with me. Because when we do review, it's that important because it's going to get in our heads. So, uh, first week we talked about Paul's greeting, where we talked about the true gospel and that you first hear it and then you understand it and then you believe it and then it bears fruit. So the gospel will bear fruit in our lives. And then we talked about Paul's um, prayer, which was great. Uh, so is the introduction and the prayer, which is very normal for the epistles. Um, we talked about uh, how um, we have knowledge and wisdom and understanding, and knowledge is this precise, correct um, knowledge, and then wisdom is skilled and learned, and then there's the coming together, the putting together of it, which I thought was great. And then last week we talked about Christ as the creator, so we started getting into the meat of Colossians. Uh, really the theology, which will continue today. Last week was Christ is the creator. This week is kind of Christ, but more like the head of the church, um, our advocate. Uh, Bible study methods, we talked about text, like dissecting the text and pulling out words. We did word studies uh, with Blue Letter Bible. We did the little hands raised last week, and we pulled everybody, which was really interesting to see. Uh, keep using that stuff. It's great. Don't forget about it. If you don't have it on your phone yet, put it on your phone so you won't forget about it later. Um, and then last week we talked about context, where we 
uh, pulled up the, the map, we looked at the geographical uh, context, we talked about historical context, and the importance of context as a Bible study method. So remember that stuff, um, but we'll get into the passage now. So let's read the passage, uh, 1 Corinthians, or sorry, I did that last week. It's in my head for some reason. It's Colossians 1, 18 through 20. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or in, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of, of his cross. So as we kind of start out, I want to kind of frame the thought behind where we're going to head today because we can see in this, this passage this, this Christ who was previously, last week, the three previous verses, there's this magnificence of Christ as creator. He's over all things. Um, and, and it still continues but now there's this Christ that is allowed us to become close. So he's, it's like the um, Christ is the lion, Christ is the lamb. Isn't that cool? Uh, yeah, we, can, we can come close to Christ because he's our head. He's our advocate. He's the head of the body of the church. We are the church. Um, and then later it talks about how we've been reconciled and we now have peace. So uh, that's really the framework of how, where I'm wanting to head today. And, and then really as we understand Christ in his rightful place as head of the church, uh, what is our action or outcome or application for our lives? So um, we understand that Christ is the head of the church and that we are the body. We see that in scripture all over um, but I want to look at the church for, for a little bit. And in, it's interesting if you, if you do a word study, which there it is. Um, the definition of that word is the people who are called out from the world and to God. Or the called out ones. So you're called out from the world into something different. So it's a new kingdom that you represent and it's a new kingdom you serve. Um, called out ones. And um, when, we, when we're called out, I want us to really consider when we're called out, we're called out from something and called to something. So what are we called out from? Death. We're called out from sin. We're called out from disobedience and distance. So, I want to read a little passage of scripture, Ephesians 2, and then we'll, call, we'll look at what we're called into. So, Ephesians 2, uh, 12 through 13, and then 17 through uh, the 22, uh, it really frames well this whole picture of dark uh, and light, or night and day where we're called out from and what we're called into. Uh, remember that 
you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 17, And he came and pre preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So we have been called out from all of these bad things, and we've been called into... Life, love, obedience. We've been called into intimacy. So um, I want us to kind of shift and look into as Christ is our head, we now have access to intimacy, which uh, is a big deal if you think about the importance of Christ in our lives. He is the creator, but he's also our advocate. He's also, um, he's also the head of the church. We have access to him. So when we consider intimacy with Christ, um, there's a problem, and that problem is us. Um, draw near to God, James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So as we want to uh, draw near to Christ, and, and I know we all want to, and I know we probably all struggle at times too, uh, there's a brokenness that we bring to the table um, without Christ. When we are not in Christ, drawing near to Christ is not possible. But there's a solution, and that solution is Jesus. Hebrews 7, 19, for the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced, through which we draw near to God. So it's through Christ that we, are, we can have intimacy with him. And uh, so I'm gonna, we're going to read some verses, and, and really what this is supposed to help us do is get the feel or the sense of Christ's desire to be intimate with us. So, um, as, a, as a husband desires to be intimate with his wife, and not in a necessarily a sexual way, but just in a closeness way, or, or we all, at probably times, we're like, uh, I was <laughs> the picture was, uh, you know, if you're sitting on the couch, and your spouse is not sitting on the couch with you, and you're like, hey, I'm sitting on the couch by myself, you know, there's a space next to me, uh, I think if you read it in, in that light, the, this passage it is interesting to think about Christ's desire to be intimate with us. He's kind of longingly wanting us to abide in him. So I'm going to under I'm going to read this. There's uh, another slide after this, and, and we're going to underline just the parts where I think really speaks to Christ's desire 
to be intimate with us. So, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this, my Father, or by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the, servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So um, such a great reminder of Christ's desire as head of the church he wants to be with us and intimate with us and, and I think you know we could spend a lot of time on the theology of Christ as head of the church and, and, and that's good and, and we'll get into that a little more but um, but I want I, my desire what I want for us is to have this this flourishing, fervent relationship with Christ. And so, how does that apply in our lives? Uh, I think it's this concept of intimacy. So, as I said, uh, we're going to discuss a Bible study method. There you go. And the Bible study method is prayer. And, uh, you know, that's, it's not really cool. You know, you can't download it on your phone. Uh, it's you, know, you can't look up a word in a dictionary. Um, it, it, uh, it's not uh, like this little formula for studying the Bible necessarily. It's kind of old school, but it is so important. Prayer. Now, to, to accentuate the importance of prayer, as far as how you would, uh, how the world would see prayer or the rest of the church, um, I've, I've, <laughs> I looked up, you know, you know, Bible study methods that would include prayer in the method. So, 
I have about 20 of them. I'm going to read them off. Most of them are acronyms. Some of them are kind of funny. So the first one is the SOAP method. So you can see where the P is, the prayer. The next one's the REAP method. There's a REST method out there. There's a POWER method, so pray start with prayer. There's an ACTS method. SILA method. HEAR, PRAISE, speak, SPEC, PROSPER, SOAK, WORD, FEAST, SALT, SPACE PETS, PROAPT, there's a three-step method, there's a four-step method, there's a five P's Bible study method, there's a seven-step method. And what's interesting on all those methods is they all have prayer somewhere in them. And most all of them, there was only a couple that I found didn't actually have prayer as a specific part of when you read your Bible, pray. Because prayer is our access to Him. Um, if we want to read our Bibles, and, and yeah, we want to understand the Scriptures right, we also want it to have application for our lives. We don't want to just read our Bibles and then nothing happens, right? Um, we need Christ to speak back to us. We need to speak to Him. This is that conversation part that we, we talk about a lot, right? We talk about reading our Bibles. Prayer is an important part of that. So, uh, just to consider for yourselves uh, uh, why you might read God's Word, and then we'll ask ourselves about prayer. Um, we read God's Word. Why? A lot of times it's because we want to be encouraged. We want some direction for our lives. We want to maybe encourage others. As, you know, we open up the Bible, we start reading, we want to encourage somebody that's struggling. Um, we want to understand the scripture, so there's just a plain study of the scripture. Um, sometimes we read the Bible because we feel guilty if we don't. I don't know if you've been there, but I've done that. It's like, oh, I feel like I should read the Bible today because I haven't yet. We are afraid of the consequences if we don't, so there's the guilty method of, well, what if I don't? There's uh, bad things that will happen um, because the people at church said so. I just had to because that's talked about a lot. But, oh, I read my Bible just because everybody says that's the cool thing to do. Um, but do we read the Word with this expectancy for intimacy? Are we reading the Word expecting God to speak into our lives? And we open up the Bible and we say this Word has power and, and that, that Christ can speak into our hearts and minds. I think if we pray... And we include prayer in our study time, it, it'll open up our minds to uh, God speaking. So, discussion number one. We're going to have about uh, eight to ten minutes, uh, depending on how exciting you guys act about this. Excited you are? Um, discussion. So, first question as we are called out from this world, what keeps us? from being fully effective for his kingdom. So remember this kingdom mindset, what encourages us to be fully effective for his kingdom? Next, what does, his, what does it mean to abide in Christ? 
So it was in that John 15 passage, abide in Christ, abide in me, abide in him. What does that mean? Uh, we just talked about it a couple weeks ago, um, but we'll, we'll continue that. And then how have you ex- had excess, success abiding in Christ and what has stood in the way of you abiding in Christ? And then why do you think prayer is an effective Bible study? So I'm assuming that you think it's effective. Uh, I'd like to hear if you don't. And then what does it look like for you when you read the Bible and pray? Is that, that is intended to say, well, do you have to get away? Do you, what, what is, uh, when it's effective, do you, does that mean you like go to the library or you go somewhere or you sit on a certain couch or this a certain environment that you get set up or it's, you get up early or you go to bed late, whatever? What does that look like for you? And then what stands in the way of having deep, intimate prayer with the Lord? For you. So uh, get in your groups and start your uh, discussion, and then we'll have a group discussion after that. All right, so uh, let's get the mic roving and get some thoughts from your discussion, what you discussed, what you'd like to say. Uh, first one, as we are called out from this world, what keeps us from being fully effective for his kingdom? What encourages us to be fully effective for his kingdom? What you guys talk about? Did you guys talk about that one? <laughs> yes. That seems to come up a lot. Busyness. So what encourages us to be fully effective for his kingdom? Children. Children, yes. Motivators. What else? What else? What did you guys talk about? I know you talked about something. So We're going to have to break the ice before long, so... Just go ahead and shout something out. Is there a particular question right now that's out? Or is it yeah, like yeah, sorry, you guys were... <laughs> you guys were rebelling. <laughs> it's the Gen Xers over here. Yeah, well, at least I have my, my first place ribbon, so... Because I'm a millennial, so... Okay. Um, so we're talking about the first question. Uh, and okay, so what encourages us to be fully effective for his kingdom? I'll tell you one uh, that encourages me is the church. And uh, not just this church, but other churches. And not just other churches in Topeka, but other churches around the country. So if you look at a persecuted church or a church that is faithful despite what they face, that typically encourages me. And then if you think about his kingdom, the church is not just this body of believers, even though when we read the passage, Christ is the head, we are the body, this is the body of Christ, but the body of Christ also consists of the church all over. Okay, next question. What does it mean to abide in Christ? How have you had success abiding in Christ, and what has stood in the way of you abiding in Christ? Answer. Well, I guess in, in my regard, 
my life, and I expressed this to my friends here that uh, I started going to. Oh, I know you don't need it. Oh. <laughs> Hello, testing. Uh, the, the, the Lord gave me a weeping willow tree that has grown up to be a strong weeping willow tree. There is also a bench that my neighbor put there. I live, I live off of a pond, uh, and uh, I can see it and enjoy it, but I'm not living on the pond like my other neighbors. But So when I let the dogs out in the morning, this has been going on for uh, over a decade, mm -hmm. and I let the dogs out, and I go down there, and I sit on that bench, and I find that I have been uh, seeking God out, seeking God through Christ there on that bench. And that bench has been a, probably the most amazing uh, times in my life of, you name the gauntlet, but all of it, God speaking back to me to calm me down, that, Rick, I sent my son to die for you. You believe in that. And I, it encourages me, and I, I pray, and I lift him up in joy. Uh, I, as I told them growing up in the neighborhood that I was, you couldn't make me cry. Yeah. But when, I, when the, I grew to know Christ, the floodgates have been open, and I go and I just lift him up. And those tears can be tears of fear, joy, uh, but it's an intimacy that I have with this God underneath that tree. That's cool. That's good. What else? Anybody have anything else? Yeah, back here. My strength that I'm gaining is, you know, there's so much to understand of the Bible, and I need to be taught at the same time as the preaching's going on, and I think the people here do a magnificent job of that. I know it has helped me a lot. The more I know, the more I understand, the stronger I can feel in case somebody asks me, or mm -hmm. I just have been given, you know, amazing things from the Lord that I've asked for, but yet not always sure I should get them. Yeah. But he has amazed me in my later years of things that I have asked for or said just involve me in some way. Um, it's unbelievable. I don't That's deserve cool. it. Yeah. I, sometimes I get so far away from him that I get really frustrated and down on myself. And the thing I have to do is, is if I've learned ask, ye shall receive. Yeah. And it may not be totally what I, I want, but I need, I need that from him, and he gives it willingly. Yeah, he's a, a loving Lord. That's good. I just wanted to say that this church that I chose to come to mm -hmm. abides in Christ. I truly believe that. The people that are here, the people, the people that are here abide in Christ. This church abides in Christ. Yeah. Therefore, when I go out by myself and I encounter the battles and my armor is dented and cracked uh, from all the attacks I've encountered, when I come to this church, it's like an oasis 
quite can come to get re-energized in, in God's spirit. And, and he tells me and shows me through, through my brothers and sisters here in this, in this church. And you know, as you right now, uh, this is all, I'm just soaking it up. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so the effectiveness that helps us abide is each other, which, you know, I always enjoy the discussion period. So sitting here watching you guys talk is, a, is fun. And it's probably weird, but it's like, it's fun to think about how encouraged I am and how we can encourage each other. So that's, that's our roles in the body. So next question, why do we think prayer is an effective Bible study method? And then um, just what does it look like for you to pray and how, how um, you know, we heard the bench, the weeping willow bench by the pond. Uh, what else? Is there anything that you want to share on that? Yeah. You know, this, this picture we have, you read scripture, and then you stop and you pray to God. Uh, we look at it as, I'm not saying it's only mechanical, but we can picture in our mind what that looks like. You stop, close your eyes, and you talk to him. But one, one thing I've discovered as I read scripture and sometimes just, uh, just focus in on one verse that, I'm, that I really have a hard time obeying, and I read the verse over and over again, and I'm just agreeing with Christ as I'm reading it, and I'm saying, wow, this, this kind of goes against the world. It goes against my nature, but I believe it. I believe it. And, the, and so as I'm doing that, I'm talking to him. Mm -hmm. I'm, I believe you. I trust you. This is hard. This is hard. And I go to the next one. Oh, this is getting deeper and deeper. <laughs> but this is where you're meeting me. You're meeting me at my, at my point of uh, where I'm resisting you. I'm resisting you. But anyway, when I, when I read it and I agree with it, I'm talking to him in a sense. So it, that becomes my prayer. Is in essence, I'm saying, wow, these aren't just black, black and white words on paper. This is the God of the universe that's, that's uh, graced us with his, uh, with his thoughts, you know. Yeah. Remember Ephesians 2, that just reminded me, we just read 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. There's a nearness that we can, we can have. Okay, so let's, let's keep moving uh, so we don't run out of time. Um, next is, is the continuation, verse 19 and then 20, and um, pulling out a couple words here. So, for in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to, to dwell. And so this word fullness, there's, there's some history to it. Um, if you look up the word, there's, uh, uh, it, it's the sum total. It's full. There's, it can't get any fuller. So the pictures would be a ship that is maxed out, full of passengers. Can't put anybody else on it. When, they, when Christ did, there was the feeding of the 4,000, and the baskets were full they were full. You couldn't get any more bread in the baskets. It's this word pleroma. And uh, Christ is fully God. So that's, that's the point of this verse. Christ is fully God. However, uh, in church history, there was a period where this is interesting passage. Last week we talked about how they struggled with Christ being man, which was docetism. This week in this passage uh, in history, uh, the struggle is with Christ as God, and um, which is Gnosticism. And so they viewed Christ as 
they viewed the word fullness as this, it's just kind of a weird twist, um, as, as Christ was replacing all of the intermediary beings between God and man, and, and it, it's kind of weird. Um, but this would make Christ inferior to God. It would make him not God. Um, and so uh, they also would view Christ as not man. So not trying to confuse us, but just so you know, as we read these passages, there's history behind these passages and things that if you're sitting down with someone uh, and you're walking through this passage, they're going to ask a question. If you know it's there, you can at least address it or look it up if you don't remember. A lot of times I don't remember this stuff, but in my head I remember, oh, there's something about this passage I, I need to be thoughtful about. So, um, In verse 20, uh, we have, we're going to just continue this discussion on Christ as our head and how we have this now, this access to him. Uh, verse 20, and through him to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. So if we look at the word reconcile, it's, um, it, it means to reconcile completely. So it's a complete reconciliation. Um, some some uh, thoughts that I pulled out of a commentary on, on the word reconcile says it, it, is it, it, it is intensive and is not just simply reconcile, but to reconcile fully. It means to exchange hostility for friendship. It pictures the total, complete, and full restoration of the relationship of disturbed peace. So we are reconciled. We now have access to Christ. We can abide in Him. One might paraphrase it that Christ might reconcile thoroughly them both. This is great news for helpless and godless and ungodly sinners. So Ephesians 2.1, just to help us understand the importance of what we're reconciled from. I know we all remember this, but it's a good reminder. Ephesians 2.1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of of the body and the mind, and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were reconciled from that completely. Amen to that. So next is peace. So uh, peace is a big deal, and if you really look at uh, peace from Jewish perspective, shalom, it's, uh, it's uh, just such a big part of the history of the Jewish nation. And then, you know, he brings up peace here, and it's peace through the blood of the cross. Uh, it's, a, it's a different word. It's clicker is not working. It's all right. Just click up here. Uh, is to make peace or to establish harmony. So uh, that's the meaning of the word, and what I want to do is I want to spend a little time just talking about peace, because again, we can have peace. We don't have to live a life full of guilt or shame, 
we now have peace as we stand before Christ. So, but we should have peace with dissatisfaction, which as Kristen read this, you know, I was trying to figure out the word dissatisfaction. I think there's probably a better word out there, but I'll just explain it so you understand. It's this peace with us and but where we are with God, but there's not peace or there's discontentment with the world around us, the brokenness. So we don't find contentment and then we end up just living this nice, happy life that we don't really go out and we're not trying to spread the kingdom. You know, we are, we are soldiers, we're ambassadors for Christ. So, um, a little side note is uh, Chris and I, we watched this interesting documentary um, this weekend and I thought it tied in well with this concept. Uh, it was about the Iranian church and how the Iranian church is really growing and this, this, um, this big movement. They're, they call it the, it, they're considering calling it the Great Iran Awakening. It's just interesting considering Iran. But um, the, the story is that a, a couple Iranian Christians, husband and wife, husband and wife, moved to America. Um, and after a while, the church, or the, after a while, the wife said that she wanted to move back to Iran. And the question's like, well, why do you want to move back to Iran? I mean, you're going to get persecuted, you could die, um, you're probably going to get raped. Like, that's, you don't want to go back. Why would you want to go back to that? And she told him that there is a satanic lullaby here, and all the Christians are sleepy, and I'm feeling sleepy too. So this is, and, and we, can, we don't want to necessarily put all our stock in a comment like that, but it's just interesting where you come from a, a place where the church is growing and this, this, um, the, this kingdom mindset, and then you come to America where you know, you got everything you need. There's no, there's, there's no hardships. I mean, there is, but not in comparison. Um, we just don't want to be lulled to sleep, is my point. So, um, we have peace with God, yet we don't want to be uh, satisfied with a broken world. We want to do something about it. We were called to do something about it. So I'm going to hit us with a few verses, and then uh, we will have another discussion. So, Romans 9, 1 through 3. These are examples from Scripture of why we ought to have a discontentment with a broken world, or a desire to go out and be ambassadors for Christ. So, Romans 9, 1 through 3. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. The conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish I wish that I could, um, that I were myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Matthew 9:37 and 38. Then he said to, to his disciples, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest." Now, these, this is all us, guys. We're the church. Christ is the head. We are the body. This is the call for our lives. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 and 23. 
To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them and its blessings. Clicker? Okay. And then Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, so as we, um, as we consider that, um, this, this peace we have, but we don't want to be lulled to sleep, so let's be ambassadors for Christ um, as he is head. Some discussion questions. Does verse 20 teach that all will be saved? Universalism, why or why not? Um, we can skip that one because I didn't bring it up. And uh, I think that's an easy answer. I just uh, forgot to bring it up. So there, there are some teachings that if you read verse 20, they would say that uh, it's teaching universalism, which... Uh, it doesn't, so don't worry, you know, we're good. Um, but uh, the next question, as an ambassador for Christ, our head in a broken world, do we keep from, how do we keep from becoming lulled to sleep? And what tends to lull us to sleep, what tends to wake us up? So this is just to be helpful for each other. Again, we're the body, let's try to help each other. And then as someone may consider being an effective member of the body, uh, what would be a good step? And how do we continue in our effectiveness of being a productive member of the body? All right, so we got about seven minutes, and then we will wrap it up. Good. Okay, so uh, questions, or uh, sorry, comments, discussion, what you guys talked about. Second question, um, any, uh, any feedback on that one? What did you guys talk about? As an ambassador of Christ in a broken world, how do we keep from being lulled to sleep? What lulls us to sleep, what wakes us up? What do you guys have? I will speak. Um, I mean, we talk about it. It's already been mentioned multiple times today. How do we keep as an ambassador of Christ in a broken world, well, you've got to read the word. You've got to know who Jesus Christ is. You've got to have a relationship with God. When you have that relationship and you know that you're a beloved son or child of God, and because of that relationship that you have with him, you can be an ambassador by the life you live. It's so difficult, and it's easy to be lulled to sleep. Your illustration with the Iranian church is great. You know, I know people that go to mission fields in a lot of other countries, and they're closer to Jesus Christ there because they don't have everything given to them. It's not easy. It's, you know, they understand that there is a, it's more of an overt uh, um, spiritual battle that we're in. And, you know, Satan always wants to take us down, and he's made it so easy for us uh, in, this, in this world. And um, so it's easy to get lulled to sleep in an American culture because it's easy here. And we think that the world has all the answers, yeah. and it doesn't. Yeah, that's good. 
our group was talking about um, complacency, Walter yeah. to sleep, what he was saying, and also when we're out of fellowship with one another. That's good. Yeah, if you're not currently, and I know the whole small group thing and the busyness and all that good stuff, but if you're not in a small group um, or a home group or whatever you want to call them, you know, fellowship is a great thing. Um, we meet Sunday nights and we're looking for more people, so hey. Um, but it's always encouraging, every time. And there's, there's times where I'm like, ah, small group, you know, it's, but I, and then we end and it's like, that was great. Like, why would I ever doubt wanting to? So, it, and that's just the flesh. But don't divert yourself from fellowship. Pursue it. Okay, next question, because we're out of time. But uh, as someone may consider being an effective member of the body, um, uh, what would be a good first step? And then how do we continue in our effectiveness? Read God's word, pray, fellowship. What else? Anything else you want to shout out? Gifts. Yeah, exercising your spiritual gifts. That's a great one we didn't talk about. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, exercising your spiritual gifts. If you're not serving in some capacity, the body, that's a, that's a great one. Okay. Next week, Mr. Stewart uh, is going to be talking about once enemies of the Lord, now saved. So... Tell all your friends, show up early, come to Sunday school, it's great.